When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The thing I have learned is that people fall in love with that, the, the power of that screen, you know, whether it's the big screen or the small screen, they fall in love with that. And, you know, you would be a fool to believe that that is somehow real and can last. Let me tell you my favorite type of guy. I like guys who are honest with women, who tell us where we stand, even if we don't exactly like our position, even if it hurts our feelings. They tell us this is the deal. My guest today, likely because of the way he looks, people think he's probably the kind of guy who isn't very straight up with women. But baby, let me tell you, when he shares how he met his wife, and the circumstances and how all that went down, I gained a whole new respect for him. The crazy thing is I expected that by having Michael Ely on the podcast today, I would spend most of this podcast talking about his movies, his career, and don't get me wrong, we do, including how he was able to flip that switch and go from pretty thug Ricky to the dude hiding under the bed with some footies on and the perfect guy. But today's podcast is definitely an education and keeping it real with the person you're dating, your significant other, or even your spouse. Real Last Talk with Michael Ely is up next on Jamel Hill is Unbothered. Mike, me and your wife have something in common, right? Um, I don't make a big deal out of a lot of things. But the one thing that I make a big deal out of that is on my list of deal breakers when it comes to relationships, a non-negotiable is you better treat my fucking birthday like it is a national holiday. Mm-hmm. All right. I need some thought put into it. Mm-hmm. It's not about the how big the gift is or how much money is paid, but I need you to stop down and make this a thing. Now, uh, I have seen some previous interviews you have done where you have talked about how your wife is the same way, right? With her birthday. Like it's a really big deal to her. Yes. Okay. And so did you have to learn the hard way how important her birthday was? I mean, I didn't have to. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I think I was stupid enough to learn the hard way. You know what I mean? I, I just wasn't evolved enough to recognize it when it first started. Right. So, you know, um, you hear her tell it her first birthday with me where I celebrated her birthday with her was magical. Um, and I didn't do much, but it was very thoughtful. Um, what did you do? Uh, we had just started dating and I can't remember. And this is where it's back. <laughs> you can't remember, I can't remember what you exactly did, really? <laughs> what I did, but I, I, I remember I like bought her some pajamas or something like that. Because she was going to spend the night and didn't know it. Oh, and, that's good. And so, like, we did, I think we might have did, like, a bath at the house or something like that. Like, okay. it was something, like, it was very, it was kind of romantic, you know, and she still, to this day, remembers that that day. I wish she was here to tell you about it, because I can't remember. The details it. escape you. But, <laughs> but again, you know, um, she'll also tell you about how, you know, the next day, you know, I went on a date with somebody else. Hold up. Time out, time out, time out. So you did all that, you know, the bath, the pajamas, and then you went out on a date with somebody else. Pourquoi? Why? Because <laughs> um, we had just started dating. Okay. And Did you tell her you were going out with somebody else the next day? No. Okay. That's good. <laughs> but here's the, here's the thing. She found out. How did she find out? Tell me she didn't find out when she was still at your crib. No, oh, no, okay. no, no. She found out a couple of days later. This is a great story. And she'll tell you this. She tells everybody this story, which is hilarious. But she found out a couple of days later and she called me up. And this is, you know, kind of a, 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 a foundation block of our relationship. She called me up and said, hey, can you um, come over? 
And I was like, yeah, I'll be over there or something. So I went over to her house, and I'm thinking, like, you know, you're just going to hang out and some other things. And she was like, <laughs> she was like, let me ask you something. Um, we've been dating for a little while, and, you know, you, if you were to meet somebody tomorrow and you were interested in them, would you go out on a date with them? And I was like this, absolutely. And you didn't even flinch, blink, nothing? No. Okay. Because I was like, and she was like, really? I was like, yep. <laughs> she was like, oh, okay. You know what I mean? And in hindsight, I realized she was trying to catch me in a lie. But, you know, I didn't lie to her. I didn't tell her the truth. I didn't tell her um, that I was going on a date with somebody else because technically it wasn't her business. Right. We were not together. We were not exclusive. I never said we were exclusive. So in what world would you think we were? Um, and I wasn't about playing games by the time I met her and started dating my wife. It was like I was very honest about everything. And so she eventually, you know, we talked some more and she told me, you know, that's not where she is. And I said, OK. And she said, in fact, I found out that you went on a date with this other girl, you know, the day after my birthday. And it really hurt. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. And so she was like, is it true that you, I said, absolutely. And she was like, well, how did you do all of that for me and then go out on a date with this other girl the next day? I said, well, the thing you need to know about me is that until we are exclusive, I'm going to be open to whomever comes my way. And it's not a, a reflection of who you are. It's more about I'm older than you. I've been doing this longer. I know how this goes. There's no guarantee. Like the way where you and I are right now in my head, I don't know where this is going. I don't know if it's going to last. So I'm going to be open to something else. And you have that right as well. You know, like don't think this is one sided. And she was like, I'm not there. I'm into you. I want to be with you. Thank you for telling me the truth. But, you know, I want to be with you and that's that. I don't want to I want us to be exclusive. And if you're not ready for that, then we should take a break. So let's take a break then. Damn, dog. <laughs> you was let's say, let's, okay. Let's take a break then. All right. I, I'm not I'm not there and I'm not gonna lie to you and try and make you feel like I am. Okay. Know? And it was interesting because that was like on like a Friday, I think. And um I think Sunday. Sunday she texted me. Um she texts me, hey. <laughs> and I remember being like, and I just I just smiled. And I texted her back, I miss you too. And I said, look, let's get together and let's talk. And it was good for me because I told her, I, you know, I, I went over there and we, we spoke some more. And I said, look, I tell you what, I will cut everything back and give us a shot. Because I feel like, I feel like I was able to be honest with you and you were able to be honest with me and that's a good start. So let's, let me invest in that and see where it goes. Wow. What, but you know, a lot of times, and I'm sure you've heard this from you know, women before, long, 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 long time ago, obviously. Um, women, we always tell dudes to be honest with us. We say, keep it 100, say up front what it is, some of us can handle that information and some of us can't. And so I appreciate that you did that yeah. because she asked the question, right? So unless... She, In an indirect way. I mean, yeah. she did try to catch me. She did try to catch she you. She tried to That's catch true. me. And, and I, you know, I mean, and this is why I don't do it, you know, because <laughs> it's like, you know, you just don't know what people know. And it turns out that the girl that I went on a date with, she was running her mouth and said she... Because I was going to say, how did your, how did your she said eventual she wife told, find out? She told a friend of hers that she went on a date with this dude who was in... God, I hate this. Uh, who was in a video. Let's just put it that way. Wait, was it the Beyonce one or the... Mar Let's just say he was in a video. <laughs> okay. And right. so she was like, you know, she... Um, that guy, you know, and this girl was at a Laker game with my with my wife. Now, at the time, was my, you know, just a girl I was dating. Right. And so she was like, um, she said she told her, she told her straight up. You know, he went out on a date with so and so, and I was like, I was like, well, look, here's the good news. I mean, at least you know, you know, I'm not, I'm not playing any games. I'm, yeah, at least I'm you know you're not a liar. Yeah. You, you always know where you stand with me. Um, 
And I had a girl in New York tell me that one time when I told her, you know, after we had messed around for a little while, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm just not, I'm not into this anymore. And, you know, I just don't want to. And we became really good friends. To this day, we're still really good friends. And one of the things she always told me was, you know what was nice about you? I always knew where I stood with you. Even if I didn't want to hear it, I always knew where I stood with you. And I tried to maintain that um, for the rest of my life, you know, at that point. Like I was like, most of my dating life at that point was always trying to be forthright because, you know, I just, I, I reached a point where I was just tired of playing games, to be honest with you. I was just tired of playing games. And it's exhausting. You know, it is. I mean, <laughs> to I try and keep, look, you know, secrets. And, long time ago, um, you know, I cheated on somebody that I was with and okay. I got away with it. They still have no idea that I cheated on. Them. Right. And so I um, I felt really bad about it, but I was more mad at myself because I wasn't honest. And, um, you know, it taught me a lot about the value of you just got to say where you are, whether they can accept that or not. But don't you feel like your partner in life? husband, wife, whatever, should be that person. Like, they have to be able to accept, you know, your truth. Oh, totally. (laughs) And look, I don't make any... Good or bad. bad, And I don't make any assumptions either. Um, Mm. It is... (laughs) My fiancé often jokes with me because when people ask, how long have you guys been together? I will say five years. Or I will say four years and he will say five. And he was like, you make me wonder really what happened in that year. And he's, he's joking, of course. But I tell him, I was like, the reason why I say four is not because, because we met in, t- in 2014. Okay. All right. We became serious in 15. Mm-hmm. Of course, we were like dating and see each other and everything. But when I finally um, brought it to him and said, hey, I really want to do this exclusively, in my mind, and I've never asked him any questions, I don't really want to know. Yeah, it's better. It's better, right? It's like, for what? Like, why? Like, that doesn't even That's, matter to what's me. What's that going? What, what, what good is that There's no do? upside. Yeah. Okay, there's zero <laughs> upside in Because if he says this. something that you don't want to hear. So, yeah. I never assumed that I was the only person he was dating that whole time. And so, I started the clock from the moment I was like, will you go with me? That's when I started the clock, right? Okay. That's what I, because I didn't, I don't want, I was like, and he was just like, just say 14. I was like, but we wouldn't have been exclusive from the moment you asked me for my number. Like Mm -hmm. it has to be whatever. I'm totally fine with saying five years. That's fine and everything. But when we were dating and getting to know each other and all this, I never asked him about another chick, if he was seeing somebody, if he was going out with somebody. He never asked me those questions either. I mean, we were spending certainly a lot of time together and you can make certain assumptions, but I didn't want to be that girl either. Like, yes, I was here with you Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, but, you know, Sherry could have been here Tuesday. Tuesday and Thursday, <laughs> Tuesday and different Thursday, days. As you yeah. prove my point. Different days. <laughs> like the very next day. Yeah. It could have been that. So yeah. I, because when we first met, I was coming out of a long-term relationship. I've been in for years, mm-hmm. and I have been single for about two years. Okay. And I was just like, yeah, I'm still, I'm still just kind of chilling. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm not looking for a relationship. Yeah. And I always feel like it's important to establish that expectation up front. Like yeah. if you, you know, whatever. And of course, um, because he's so wonderful, yeah. <laughs> he eventually got me kind of up out of that, up out of that mode. But that's. That's so when you guys had the revisit conversation after, you know, the hey text and all that, you were at the point where you, you were ready to do it exclusively or you just you were ready. What made you ready to, to that's give good, it a that's chance? That's a good question. Yeah. I, you know, I think it was, you know, kind of the way she handled the situation. Um, she didn't blow up. You know, she when I explained myself, she was very calm about the whole thing. And then she just kind of expressed her truth. And there was a lot of sincerity and honesty in that. And because I felt like I was being sincere and honest, and she did ask me, you know, how could you have gone out with me and done all those things for me on my birthday and then go out with somebody else? And I explained to her, I said, don't don't let any of that other date take away from what I did for you, you know, because it, it wasn't it wasn't like I was there with the other girl doing the same thing for her. That was like a first date with it's her. There's levels to this. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I was like, like, you know, okay. that was like a first date with her. And yeah. I was just seeing if this was actually going to be something that could possibly take me away from what I was building with you. And there wasn't even a chance of that. So, you know, um, 
you know, when she did, when we did have the revisit conversation and we, we kind of kissed and made up, I said to her, you know, it was, it was an attempt. It was basically like, let's, let's try it. I wasn't sure if I was ready. You know, I wasn't sure. I'll be first one to tell you. I wasn't sure. I told her I'm not sure, but I want to give it a try. I want to give it a shot. And I don't want to lose you if you ready, you know, if you're like, I can't do it any other way, then I'll meet you where you are. So if she would have said to you, okay, so am I all good to see other people? Would you, how would you have responded to that? If she were doing the same thing that you were, I don't know if she was, but you know, going out on dates with other guys, would you have been fine with that? Absolutely. Because, you know, sadly, when, 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 (laughs) when my wife and I, when we started, when we actually started dating, because we had known each other for two years prior to that, um, but when we actually started dating, um, I was trying to clean out the stable. That's a terrible term. <laughs> no, but it is what it it's is. It's a terrible term. <laughs> no, it's, it's But I was, I was at a point where literally I was seeing women in other countries. I was seeing women Damn, you in didn't LA. have any codes. You had them at... <laughs> I, I really, I had like parts about, of the world. <laughs> this is, this is, this is, I had like about four or five women in my life who I was dealing with, if you will. And I was just like, mm, I was unhappy. It's a lot of work. It was. And I, and what I realized was that, you know, you know, I think you grow, you're taught as a man to kind of grow up and run the table, right? You're kind of taught like. Lorenz Tate told me one time, I'll never forget this. One of the first times I ever met him, he said, hey, man, nigga, be a star, nigga. <laughs> what, like, that sounds like some advice he would give And you. I was like this. I was like, you know, now he's he's like married with kids like me and stuff. And it's like, yeah, all right. <laughs> we did it. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it was one of those things where I, I, you know, I felt like I had been doing, I've been doing it. But what I realized was having multiple women is... um probably rooted in some sort of insecurity and at the same time um, kind of an antiquated way of looking at relationships. And third, it's hectic, it's draining, and you're also, you the thing you don't think about because you're blinded by sex ten time, nine times out of ten is you're going to have to deal with their problems. You know what I mean? You're yeah. going to deal with their problems. Like they cut, like, you remember those days when you know this person that you just thought was like a fuck buddy is coming along. Can I say that? Yes, you okay. can say that. <laughs> so then, you know, like, and they start coming to you and complaining about you know their childhood, and you're like, hey, now look, be like, listen, that did, I'm not ready, <laughs> right? This I don't want to know you that did. well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like I'm, I'm, I just don't. I, I'll be honest with you, I don't have the bandwidth to care. Mm-hmm. Because I either got out of a relationship and I'm just trying to stay, you know, on the surface right now, or I'm just like, you know, I just, I just, I'm not there with you. I don't want to, I gotta go. (laughs) I gotta go. I always think though, um, even though I do hear you about insecurity in the way, like sometimes having a lot of women, that can be an ego boost for men. But I do think somebody in your position Mm -hmm. that you kind of got to, Take the Ferrari on the freeway and drive 200 mm-hmm. just to see, you know, with the mm-hmm. the fame and all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So you never wonder because I encourage all of my single girlfriends that, hey, while you're single, mm-hmm. do it to death. You know, literally do it. So maybe not the death part, but like get it all out your system. You know what I'm saying? It's a figure of speech. It's a figure of speech. Don't die doing it. Yes. But get it all out your system because then once you do commit to somebody, you never have to wonder like, man, it would have been nice to know what it had been like. Now you speak in my language because I remember, you know, the first couple of years of our marriage and even to this day, my wife, well, the first couple of years of our marriage, my wife thought I was kind of boring. And I remember, you know, like she's like, you're boring. Your friends are boring. Da 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 da. And I was like, I'm sorry. Um, I don't know how to tell you, but I lived before you. I lived really well. Yeah, right. Um, you know, <laughs> like you don't I, want that guy back. <laughs> I, you you don't want that guy back. I don't want that guy back. And you know, I wouldn't have married you if I if I really if I wasn't done being him. Um, 
it's just where I was in life. I was in a totally different, I had finally matured, mm. you know, and that's something that, you know, I would say it takes a little bit longer for us probably. Um, and, you know, look, I had my fair share of relationships, but I mean, I had, you know, as Eddie said, many a night, you know, <laughs> <laughs> many a night I threw my shit on the table. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and ironically today, as of the taping of this podcast, you're celebrating seven I'm years, uh, celebrating seven, seven years, years of marriage. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's it's great that we started it that way because I'm sure, given um, the fact that you know you became Mr. Sex Symbol and all of that, uh, that that added probably a layer of complication to your dating life. Um, maybe a good one, maybe mm. a bad one. Um, I'm sure you've probably had some really interesting fan encounters, especially with women. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what are some that you I guess come to mind as you know? some of the stranger, maybe more aggressive ones, because uh, <laughs> I can see, uh, yeah, the thirst out here for you is real, and you know it, so it's like. <laughs> I mean, pri- prior to marriage? Prior to marriage. I, I prior, wanna, yeah. But I'm sure some have happened while you've been married, right? Of course. Yeah, yeah. Right. Hopefully your <laughs> wife wasn't around when that happened, because, yeah, you know, I don't want her to be two-piece and nobody out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. Um, no, but she's she's actually very cool about that kind of stuff, which is which is interesting. But um, you know, look, there was definitely a time in which you know there were there women would say all kinds of things to me. Um, I I genuinely don't remember much. Uh, it's a good answer, Mike. Good answer. I don't. I don't. I I just don't because yeah. you know it never meant anything to me, and it always felt. I always. This is the thing I always felt, and I try to explain this to people who are just now coming up, don't buy into this hype that comes when you first come out, you know, because, you know, these people don't know you. They don't really want to be with you and do things to you. It's the character that you play. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's the character that you play. Like, they haven't, I'm not Ricky Nash in real life. They haven't know gotten to know you yet. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Like nowadays, like because I've done interviews like this and people kind of hear the way I think and all these other things. If someone's like, you know, and there have been people that have come up to me and, I, and they, you know, I love the way you carry yourself. You know, I love the way you represent us. Things of that nature. That goes beyond the work. And, you know, that's a different type of solicitation, I think, at that point, because they actually feel like they do know a little bit more about you. And it's it more substantive. And it, yeah, yeah, and it goes, right? it goes, just goes beyond the characters that you play. Um, and but but people, the the thing I have learned is that people fall in love with that the, the power of that screen. You know, whether it's the big screen or the small screen, they fall in love with that. And you know, you would be a fool to believe that that is somehow real and can last. You know, I mean, you can definitely take advantage of certain situations, you know what I mean? And I've had my fair share, but um, yeah, I, I don't I don't remember much. I just know that it, it it felt like it happened overnight, you know, like it, it really did start with barbershop. Like it felt like it happened overnight. And it probably didn't help that you playing like the thug that slobbed Eve down or whatever. Right. <laughs> Like right, it probably it was, didn't help. <laughs> right, and then everybody thought I was, you know, that guy, yeah. and it was like, you know, like I remember, I remember I was talking to Gab about this because Gab was telling me Gab the sex Gabriel appeal. Union people yeah, listening. she was telling me the sex appeal of was it prison, prison, the prison dude. Yeah, what's his name? Prison Bay. Okay, prison. She Bay. was telling me the appeal of him, and I right. was like, this, got a my contract contract based off why, of a why, are, why are women going crazy over this dude? He's in jail. And she was like, oh, she broke it all down for me. And I was like this, oh, okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> Gab's great for that kind of stuff. She can see you on anything. So she 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 started breaking it down for me. And I was like, yeah, okay. So, and there is definitely, you know, I don't know what it is, but there is a sense of danger and that women find like kind of sexy in terms of how he would be able to protect you and keep you safe but at the same time he might choke you i don't know it's a little bit i feel like dudes are the same way though yeah because i don't know look i i don't know a crazy ass woman that ain't got a man ain't none of them motherfuckers single ever (laughs) 
I'm like, so y'all really do believe in like a crazy can, woman? Men yeah. love crazy women. And I've had certain conversations with, um, you know, male friends of mine or, mm-hmm. or just being like in group settings. And they just like, they got the best. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's because you don't know if she going to kill your ass or, you know. I think there are people who find that exciting. Yes. I I, I had a phase like that. <laughs> Were you had, like crazy women? I had a phase like that where I was what? to it. Oh, man. I was just, because nine times out of ten, it led to um, amazing sex. Proving my theory. Nine times out of ten, it led to amazing sex. There was this level of performance that happened. <laughs> it was just like. Damn. Like I said, I don't uh, know one that does yeah, not go without. Yeah. But that crazy can catch up to you. Yeah. So what's the what's the craziest you. thing a woman oh, has I'll done? Oh, I tell you right. I tell you right now. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I was in college. I was dating. This first time I dated like an older. No, it wasn't the first time. <laughs> it was like uh, I, was, I was dating. I used to. I had a thing for older women okay. for a while there. It started in college. Um, you know, a couple years older than me or four or five years older than me, I was dating this girl who went to another college and she was in grad This is why you were in Maryland. This is why I was at Maryland. Okay. Now. And uh, she and I, you know, we dated for a little bit. We met at Freaknik. <laughs> oh, you have a Freaknik story. Oh, uh, this is getting even better. Continue. So then, uh, and we kept going, we kept dating after Freaknik and it was like, cool. And I remember when I wanted to break it off, you know, I remember I was at my aunt's house who lived, right down the street from University of Maryland, I was doing laundry. And <laughs> I remember she kept calling me and I was like, what, what, she's just, she just won't let this go, it's over. Like, I don't understand why it's so hard to comprehend. And so she got on the phone and I was like, what? And she was like, we need to talk. And I was like, there's nothing left to talk about. I've, I've explained this to you. I don't want to be with you anymore. It's over. I'm, I'm not being rude. I'm trying to be respectful of this. Just just let it go. She's like, no, you need to hear me out. We're going to talk. And I was like, I don't, I'm not even, I, <laughs> she was like, are you home right now? I said, no, I'm not at home right now. When will you be home? I'm like this. I don't know. She said, all right, well, I'll go to your place and wait for you. Oh snap! I said, "You just gonna wait at 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 the apartment?" And she was like, "Yes, I'll just wait outside your house." <laughs> and I was like, "This." I tell you what, because um, <laughs> I started thinking about my clothes, I was like, "I'm gonna come back for these." I was just like, "I'll meet you, I'll meet you there in 15 minutes," and I did. I just met her there in 15 minutes, and I heard her out, and she got emotional and stuff, but. When she was willing to kind of wait outside my house, I took it to a whole new level. Like for me, like it was just like, you know, and I played that guy. <laughs> so it's like, I was like, so now I know no, your inspiration. Kind of, you know, you play a character like Carter, right? <laughs> it felt like a bit controlling, but at the end of the day, I know now in hindsight that she just wanted to be heard. And I respect that. So once I wish she had gone about it in a different way. Okay. I no longer think she was crazy. I just think she didn't know how to handle that. Was she good after you heard her? Yeah, it was okay. Over. All right. Yeah, she was fine. She never, you know, showed up again. <laughs> like I, I, you know what? I didn't know where that story was going. Yeah. I was like, man, she showed up with boiling rabbits. Like, what no, happened? she 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 scared me. She scared me to death. She, she said, said, "I will wait. wait outside of your apartment until you get back." I'm actually like, shocked you didn't meet her at a neutral, well lit location. I'm that would have been. That. It was daytime. Okay. So, so I, you weren't I, I as worried. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't as worried. <laughs> so how does your uh, how does your wife handle um, you know the fact that you have so many uh, adoring female fans who cannot separate Michael Ely from the characters that you play and the attention? How does she handle it? She's always been supportive of it. Uh, I don't know if you've, I, I've talked about this once before. There was a time we were in New Orleans. I was filming, and she was down there with me, and, and uh, I was at a Home Depot. And we were setting up the apartment, you know, for, for the shoot, and setting up the apartment. We were at Home Depot, and there were these two girls. We were in different places in the Home Depot, and these two girls, I guess, had seen me, and they were, like, freaking out. And my wife says, um, my wife gets in line with me, and we're about to check out. And she's like, these girls are freaking out of you. And I was like, oh, really? She's like, yeah. I was like, okay, well, let's get our stuff and go. You know what I mean? Like, You're like, I that's was, nice. Great. That's great. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. But they haven't said anything to me. So, you know, um, I forgot what happened, 
But somehow my wife ended up next to these girls. And she was like, hey, do you guys want to take a picture with him? And they were like, they were like, um, yeah, but we thought he was with you. And she was like, no, I'm just his assistant. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> and she was like, no, 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 I'm just his assistant. Come on, let's take it. He's really nice. He'll be cool with it. And she brought him over and I met them and they were shaking and crying and they took the picture and it was like amazing for them and it put a smile on their face. And I said, why did you, why did you do that? And she said, I will never come between you and your fan base. She was like, they were, you know, I was like, but you said you were my assistant. She was like, yeah, I didn't want to crush their fantasy. I'm confident with where I am with you. And I was like, that's why you married. We love you. I know, right? <laughs> I mean, that, that's just a beautiful thing. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I could be with somebody who couldn't handle it, you know? And I dealt with women prior to my wife who couldn't handle it, you know? They just, they would get annoyed and, you know, didn't like it when people wanted to take pictures right there in front of them. My wife has always been like, take the pictures. It's okay. I'll stand over here. Do you want me to do it? Like, she's to this day. To this day, That's if awesome. people come up, she's like, do you want me to take it? Not a problem. Some people are like, girl, you getting a picture. She's like, no, I'm cool. You know right, because she's like, I know you really want this solo. You, know what I mean? you, you don't want me in <laughs> yeah, this. You know exactly. what I mean? And, and so, but she plays it so cool. And, you know, I always wonder if the shoe is on the other foot, how would I feel? You know, and I, I can only pray that I would be as respectful as she is towards my fan base. Because she really, it's like she understands that this is you know, my fan base, and this is what I need to to kind of survive. Well, look, I have some non-relationship stuff to Let's definitely uh, ask you. We're going to take a quick break because uh, when we come back, I want to ask you about your ex experience at Tyler Perry Studios. I know yes. you went to that. Mm -hmm. And about, um, you know, raising two kids. You got a son and a daughter. Wow. Very curious about the name of your son, too. So more with Michael Ely when we come back. <laughs> So as I mentioned before the break, you are a father of two, got a son and a daughter. Um, so I'm just going to guess, especially seeing the T-shirt you're wearing now, that your son, Elijah Rakim, is named after... The God MC. <laughs> the God MC. The goat. The God oh, MC. Okay. Yeah. So uh, where did this love of Rakim develop from? I mean, he's obviously I unbelievable. Mean, but Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. He's, just, he's the God MC. You know yeah. what I mean? My my love of of hip hop and the origins of hip hop is is just it's just there, you know. It's just deeply rooted, and I I don't technically call a lot of today's music hip hop, you know, um, uh, for various reasons. And you know, for me, uh, lyrically, Rakim was just, you know, and still is just, um, you know, <laughs> he's just. He's, the, I mean, you know, he's the goat. He just, it's just a feeling. It's just what happened, you know, growing up. A lot of people that, you know, that were dope MCs. Um, but no one had that flow like him. And it was something that I could relate to. I think had I been more of a hype individual, you know, I might have, you know, been all about sticky fingers or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Imagine being your kid sticky fingers. <laughs> um, you know, but, you know, it's one of those things where it just, it just appealed to me in such a way. Um, and it resonates. You know, the nostalgia of that time period resonates. Um, yeah, my, my, one, of my, one of my daughter's name is Quest, you know, because um, Tribe Called Quest was, again, you know, it was like Rakim and Tribe Called Quest. They were the group. He was the so like it was. It was just. It was Is that who kind of defines your sort of hip hop fandom? Those two mm -hmm. two groups. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, for sure. I mean, my they define my whole childhood, like from you know sixth grade to twenty three, maybe. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it was. It was. It was those particular groups and. uh you know, like when Fife passed, it, I took it really personally. Like I didn't even, I had, I think I met him once, and it was, it was hard for me. It was really hard for me. Now I, I noticed that you, you don't have many or hardly any pictures of your kids online. Mm 
Mm-hmm. It seemed like that was done with intent. Mm-hmm. Um, what made you decide to kind of try to keep them out of the public eye? I think there are many reasons. One, um, um, paranoia. Uh, I've always been paranoid about <laughs> kidnapping and things of that nature. Um, but also, in this world, there's only a certain amount of time you have to kind of be free. Uh, you know, there's a, a big world of cyberbullying going on out there. And, you know, kids are going to be exposed to technology, social media. It's going to happen. Um, so the only way, in my opinion, to kind of keep them um, somewhat free, somewhat um, out of the spotlight, so to speak, was to just not put them in it and to kind of control that um, so that, you know, that they could actually be kids. You know, when they go to school, they're not already famous. Um, I think there are, look, there are people who put their kids out there from jump. There are people who, you know, use their kids as a part of their brand. Um, I just, it's not for me. Interestingly enough, I am starting to, now that they're three and six, I'm probably going to start, you'll start seeing them more. I'll start posting them more just because, um, as the, you know, now that my son knows what I do and he sees me on billboards and stuff and he kind of understands what's going on, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, I don't, I, there's only, I can't keep him out of the spotlight, but so long at this point, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like, um, and it's, and it's just becoming a bit exhausting. It's, it's hard. It's, it's actually hard to try and keep them somewhat protected. I came out of grocery store the other day with my daughter and there's, and I don't know why he, he wasn't there for me, but he just, I guess he saw me and he was like, I'm gonna get this shot. And it just felt like such an invasion. And, you know, my wife was like, you know, look, they're, and my wife puts the kids up all the time. So it's not like, it's not like, you know, you can't see them. They're just, you got to follow her. But it's like, um, you know, they are, um, they represent a lot of joy in my life. And, you know, at some point I will share uh, photos of them. Um, It'll never be in excess, though. You know, it'll always be kind of appropriate. Now, you said your son has has figured out kind of what you do. Do they, does he know you're like, you know, that you're famous, essentially? Mm, Okay. All right. Well, you know, like last year at some point he was five and, or four or five, and we were somewhere and he was like, Dad, why do so many people want to take pictures with you? I was like, I don't know. It just came out. I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I don't know. And, um, you know, he was like, oh, I was like, as soon as I figure it out, I'll let you know. He was like, okay. (laughs) And I was like, I'm not ready to have that conversation with him. Cause I don't, I'm already nervous about my kids living in Los Angeles, you know, let alone, trying to understand fame at such a, a young age and fame right now is even more attainable and crazy than ever. So, you know, everybody feels like they're famous because they have a Facebook or an IG page or something. So everybody feels like they're famous. Um, and, and that's just created a, a different kind of energy about the whole thing. So I, I, I hope at some point, you know, uh, now when his friends say, yo, I saw your dad on a bus stop or a billboard, you know, and he's like, yeah, you know, we're driving down the street the other day. He's dad, stump down. <laughs> and I'm like, yep, there it is, buddy. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he's like, you know, and, and I just try not to make it feel like it's not normal, but at the same time, it's normal. So <laughs> when you finally, I guess, have that conversation to him with more in depth about what you do and what everything means. Um, I hope you include in that story about how you turned down Beyonce. Are you going to include that part in there? <laughs> turned down Beyonce. Yeah, the irreplaceable video. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, <laughs> you got to tell them that. If you're going to tell it, you got to tell it all. Be like, so I'm so famous that I told Beyonce I'm not doing irreplaceable. Now, in fairness, you did do Halo. But really, how you how you gonna turn down Beyonce? 
What was on the schedule? That's what I need to know. Why? It, were you, maybe you were meeting with Michelle and Barack. Maybe that's what it was. Like, what was on the schedule that made you turn down Beyonce? Uh, pride. Uh, <laughs> really? I, you know, there was, there was the song. Oh. And, you know. Irreplaceable? I mean, I know the, the gist lyrics, of the song. It's like, yeah, to the, <laughs> the left, lyrics, to the left. Get you stepping. living in my house. Yeah, get your ass out. You yeah. ain't shit, so right. get out. <laughs> yeah. I didn't need that. You know? I, I just didn't need it. You know what I mean? And I, I honestly, I was a little bit affected by it because I was like, well, you know, does she think I'm that type of dude? You know? Um, and I was like, I, you know, I, I want no parts in that. Wow. So, <laughs> I mean, I, you know, if it came today, I'd say the same thing. Really? Yeah, I, I have no interest in doing that. You, know? you were like, I'm not going to be the irreplaceable dude. No, I, 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 look, again, I think there's a certain reputation that I like to maintain and that is um to be a man that's you know um a man of integrity a man that's um accountable and represents us well and I I didn't feel like that was it Mm. I wondered um especially seeing your your role in, in Perfect Guy mm-hmm. or whatever, playing that much edgier character mm-hmm. than I think a lot of people are used to you seeing, if you had any trepidation or reservation about playing that kind of character? Not an ounce. Mm-hmm. I've only had one role where I had trepidation about playing, and that was for Colored Girls. Yeah, that was another one. That was for Colored Girls. Yeah. And the hardest thing for me in that, I think I said this was, I, I genuinely asked my mother if it was okay. My mother has since passed, but it was one of the hardest things for me to try and get my head into. Um, And I had to find an angle that worked. Um, But the imagery that I knew would, would, would live on, you know, beyond that. And I would have kids someday, (laughs) you know, it, it was really, really tough. And I went to my spiritual rock. And she said, you're an actor. I don't think it's a reflection of you, you know. And, and I had to learn. It was, a, it was a stepping stone for me because I was at that point able to learn, um, you know, that what I do professionally um, is not always a reflection of who I am personally. But the way I carry myself or the legacy that I leave behind with my children, that is a reflection of me. Um, so in that sense, when I, got, when I got the opportunity to do Perfect Guy, I was able to produce that movie, and I, I was very much like happy to do that film because I knew it was going to kind of um, change the narrative about what people thought I was. You know, <laughs> It's like, okay, he's like, you know, there were people, I would do interviews, and people were like, so you're like the king of romantic comedies now. And I was like, I've done two. When, when did I, how did I become the king of romantic comedies? I've done two. And so it was important to, to, to kind of show a darker side that, that was there and play darker characters, you know. And the one that really, really kind of pushed me was Theo on The Following, um, which I didn't think a lot of black people watched, but a lot of black people watched The Following, which was great. Um, and now I have people who are like, I like it when you're crazy. And I'm like, Okay. <laughs> you know? Like I don't know how to take that, yeah, but uh... all right. You know what I mean. But um, yeah. but yeah, they you know, but but those roles like to try and find the, the the lust of a serial killer, they push you. So how do you get in touch with that inner crazy inner creep guy? <laughs> like how do you? Mm. Yeah, how do you? You don't do judge him. Okay. You know that's the key. You don't judge him. You don't look at him as crazy. Um, for example, Bo Willie, he was a soldier and, you know, and talking to Kimberly and talking to Tyler over and over again about how, you know, he was different. He was great. Even in the book, it's, in, it's, it's, it's in the play, you know, he was, he was a wonderful person before he went away. And what does war do? You know, it's, it's, to me, Bo Willie was all about PTSD. It was a big statement about PTSD and what does war do and how it can tear apart a family. Um, and I think that's always important to put out there so that, you know, we're a little bit more careful about jumping into these wars, right? Second of all, um, Perfect Guy, 
a sociopath. That was just sheer like giddiness for me. It was like, oh, let's do some research. <laughs> let's find out what is a sociopath. What does that mean? You know, and and who is the person who walks on this planet and has no concept of fear? You know, and to see like a black sociopath was even more fascinating to me because to not have any fear is something that's almost impossible. It's almost impossible. But he didn't have it. And that lets you live life in a certain certain way. You know, one of the things I'm struggling with right now with, with, with my son and my daughter is, at what point do you teach them the history of this country? And I was talking with, uh, you know, Corey over at Essence, right? Yes. So I was talking with Corey about this. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things where people were giving me books, Rosa Parks, Martin Luther King, Jackie Robinson books, you know, kids books. And I was, I started one on like Jackie Robinson or Rosa Parks and I was like, stop. I don't want to teach him this right now. I wonder if we burden our kids before we raise them up, right? If you teach your kid about the oppression of his people or her people, before you teach them about the royalty, what are you doing? Are you some, because we all grow up with a certain chip on our shoulder. We all kind of know like what it's like to be, you know, <laughs> profiled by the police and all these other things. And that's going to happen. But if you look at what these other kids are growing up with and they don't have to have the talk and the confidence that they have in themselves, well, is it possible that we can raise our kids with a similar kind of confidence by teaching them that they were kings and queens first? And, you, you know, if you teach them about slavery and oppression and the civil rights movement first, the first thing that they learn is what? You're inferior. So how cognizant? Scary. Yeah. I'm, well, <laughs> you know, I mean, are you, I mean they got to know it. They yeah. got to know their history. But the question is... What do you teach them first? Because it could be an albatross around their neck if all they feel is that we started out this way. If 12 years a slave is my, is my, is the story of my people, mm -mm. we're starting, we're starting them off behind, in my opinion. So are, how cognizant or aware are your children of race? It's funny you say that. <laughs> My son, my daughter has no idea. She's three. She has no idea. She has no, I think she doesn't know anything um, about it. Um, my son is now starting to understand it. Uh, and he's like, he says, I'm black and I'm Afghan. Um, and he's aware that he's, I guess, mixed of that, you know, and but I don't know if he knows what that means. He knows he is, but he doesn't necessarily know what that means um, in the real world, so to speak. Um, but he, <laughs> I'll never forget this. He says to me one time, he said, Dad, why do you always say, um, what's up, baby, to black people? And I said, well... <laughs> Let's talk about that, son. Uh, let's talk about the vernacular and uh, <laughs> let's talk about uh, slang and these things. And, you know, and I explained to him that I don't always say that to black people. And I was like, but it's interesting that you, you think I do. Mm -hmm. And that, that, that lets me know. And so we had a, a deeper conversation about it. And he was like, okay, okay. And he totally got it. And that's what I love about him. He's, he's very smart and he, he's starting to process certain things. Um, but he's, uh, he's starting to, to see that there are different people. We were down in a view park at a birthday party the other day, and he was like, Dad, there are no white people in this neighborhood. Yep. <laughs> I was like, there are. 
There are. There actually are. So yes. they're actually, they definitely you know, starting to buy up a lot of property you know, over you know, in Newport. I was like, I was like you know what, son? You, you might not see them, but they're here. You know what I mean? They're, they are here. I was like, let me ask you this. Do you see a lot of black people in our neighborhood? And he's like, no. I was like, okay. Right. Just let them marinate with that. Person. I was like, you know, I don't, I don't always try to put it on them. Like, right. you know, look, this, there's a difference between the black neighborhood and the white neighborhood. Right. And to me, there's just a neighborhood. Our neighborhood is necessarily white. It's just... It's just not as predominantly black as the Crenshaw district, right? So I was like, mm, okay. And because we were, he was reading the street signs and he was like, Martin Luther King Jr. I was like, son, let me tell you something. <laughs> Anytime you're in a city and there's Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, it's probably in a black neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> right. I was like, that much I can tell you. Or virtually any civil rights hero. Right. Yeah, I was like, that's, Rosa Parks that's or whatever. You know what I mean? I was like, you see what that sign says? He says, Obama Boulevard. I said, yep. I said, that just happened like last year. <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's it's one of those things where it's a slow burn, but I, I've, I've, I've questioned how to not burden him with race, but educate him on race. Um, cause I don't want him to be clueless, but I do want him to be highly educated about it. That's so tough, man. I don't envy you at all. Cause like, yeah. I, I mean, I grew up in Detroit. It's like 90% black. I don't ever remember asking my mother like, Hey, am I black? Or, you know, what does right. this mean? Cause I didn't have to, cause everybody around me was black. Right. So it's like, I don't know in 2019 what teaching kids about race even looks like. Right. Yeah. It, it is it is a different time. And that's why I'm saying, like, with regards to these books, is it wise to have them reading at four years old that somebody wasn't allowed to get on a bus, you know, or somebody wasn't allowed to play baseball because of the color of their skin? I, I, I fight that fight every day in terms of trying to figure out how to educate him um, about the history of this country and the history of his people. Mm. Before I get you out of here, it's a little game. I like to play with my guests. Okay. All right. Fate of human existence depends on how you answer these questions. Just so you know. The fate of human existence. Just a small thing. So. Yeah. Yeah. No biggie. Uh, the game is called this or that because I'm too damn lazy to name it. Okay. <laughs> you get two choices. Not four choices, not six choices. You get two. Okay. You got to pick one or the other. Okay. All right. So just keep that in mind. A Redskin Super Bowl or an Oscar. Uh, Oscar. It took you a minute to to to, <laughs> to come to that. Yeah, right? I, I already got Redskins Super Bowls. You yeah, know, I mean, a long time ago, but I got those. I mean, given I mean? the current state. Yeah, no. I don't and know. how long it's been? Yeah, it's been I thought you might be tempted years. to pick the Redskins. No, 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 no. I can do more with an Oscar. Mm, that's true. I can help more people. That is true. You know what I mean? Like you can turn that into jobs for other people. Oh yeah. Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, low end theory or midnight marauders. You, you got to pick one. You got to pick one. You got to pick one. All right, I'm gonna go with. Uh, I'm gonna go with low end theory. Okay. I'm gonna go with low end theory. It's tough, man. I look. That, I and and I mean so by hard. like a like a smidge. Oh, it's a hair. <laughs> I mean, this is splitting yeah, hairs. That, that's like yeah. I mean, that's. Mm. You can always say, well, low end came first, right? Came before. Yeah. You can always bail yourself out that way, but it's impossible. That's why I asked you that. that those, yeah, those two are like neck and neck. All right. Uh, Maryland blue crab or crab cakes? Okay, here's where I lose my card. Um, oh, I, I I'm allergic to shellfish. Oh, wow. So I'm the only person from Maryland that seems to be allergic to shellfish. I do like Old Bay, though, <laughs> on my fries. <laughs> As any self-respecting that's, that's, American would. That's that's my claim. You know what I mean? Like I, I cannot I can't do the crab cakes. I can't do the crab. I can't because I, I I break out. So is is everybody in your family that way or other no, people in your family? It was, it was you? kind of a dividing line in mm. my family because my sister and my father were like shellfish addicts, you know, and my mom and I I was allergic. My mom just was like, I don't like it. And so but my family, when they get together, there are bushels of crabs, and you know, as you suffer crab, in silence. The crab <laughs> thing is something I wish I could. It's like I feel like a part of my childhood was damaged by not being able to partake in newspaper crabs and beer. I I missed out. On, it's like not knowing how to play spades. 
Ooh. Bad. That is bad. Bad. <laughs> uh, Arya or John Stark? What am I choosing them for? Like, <laughs> See, you're like, too many questions already. No, am I saying like who's going to be the who? king or or, <laughs> no, or like no. who's my favorite? See, already. Who's hey, my favorite? Explain the Negroes how a game works. See, Sorry, okay, do. who's my favorite, <laughs> yes. right? Arya or John Stark? And John Stark being John Snow. Oh, not John Stark. God, John Snow. Not, right. <laughs> sorry, Arya Stark, John Snow. Thanks and John Snow ended up being. Mm-hmm. You saw the finale, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, he ended right. up Just, being somebody else. Yes. Right? He's, he's got a different name. Yes. I was a big fan of John. I was a big fan of John. The most, I don't want this damn job ass dude. <laughs> I mean, I and, like, and I knew he was going to get it. I just knew he was going to get it because he was the only, the dude came back from the dead. I don't understand how you come back from the dead just to go up to the north with the wild links. Like, I, to me, I really felt like if he came back from the dead, he was destined to be the king. But I kind of like the ending. I'm one of the few people that actually You like the ending. ending. You were good with it. I had to sit with it for a minute. Okay. <laughs> but I actually liked the ending. Um. So it was so much not to like about it. I guess <laughs> it was so much not to like about it, right. just in the sense of, you know, it's always bad, or you shouldn't always apply common sense to, you know, we were watching fiction, right? But for all of a sudden, it's like, oh, Bran, because he's got the best story. What? It's like, okay. That part was not my favorite, that, that was Bran not... became king. Mm-mm. However, my logic for, for liking it is pretty simple. If you break it down, and I have, because that's what I do under these circumstances, to me, the message was the mythology and the folklore is just that. And if you believe in that, you will be let down. And they basically carried you for 10 years with all of this mythology about who is destined to be king. Everybody felt like they had a right to it because of a birthright and all of this stuff. And the mythology really hit that home. And in the end, it was like, nope, that's been the problem. That's been the problem. We're doing it wrong. And if you look at where we are right now, the mythology is that the electoral college matters because it gives smaller states, you know, the same representation as the bigger states. That's a problem. And it's cost us dearly. We have to lose the mythology. I like that you made that real deep. <laughs> but it, I'm not but making I do. it deep. That's no, just but I, plain but I, and I get simple it. to me. I get like, it. I do that understand. That was the thing I liked about the game. Now, don't get me wrong. I had money on Jon Snow. <laughs> like, okay, now we're getting to it. No, I, mean, <laughs> I, I didn't think they were going to do it, but once I sat with it, I realized that there's a lot of truth in that. We, we, we get caught up in the mythology so much that we don't realize that we're perpetuating some of the same problems that, that have cursed people over the years. Um, all right, painful or follow the leader? Painful. And finally, Boys in the Hood or Minister Society? <sighs> you look very pained in this question. <laughs> I'm going to go with Boys in the Hood. You know, I think the uh, rendition you and Mike did. <laughs> As I have to tell people, that was a real 40. Okay. That was a real 40. That was a real 40. A real 40. <laughs> that was, that, yeah, I'd say, I'd say Boys in the Hood. And I, and I know it came first. Um, I just, you know, in knowing John, I just feel like there was just a certain amount of um, that movie resonated just a little bit more with me um, than than Menace. Menace was a classic. Yeah, no, it's. I think about the age John Singleton was when he did that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had Cube on the podcast when he explained um, he had first met him when he was a PA on Arsenio's right hall show, right. and just the story of how that movie came to be it. Mm-hmm. It makes it, it's, it's almost just as good as the movie itself. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it also shows you Here's just- Stephanie, Stephanie Elaine tell it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I heard her say it at his, uh, his memorial. And I was like, wow. Like, he was, John, John was a beast. And so ahead of his time. Yeah. You know, I- John was a, John was a beast, man. And that, that movie, I mean, most directors, it seems their best work, sometimes is their origin piece, right? It's 
it's your own personal story. Most back then, specifically, a lot of directors told their origin piece as their first feature, and John was no different. That thing was powerful, and the idea that he was nineteen—he was a little 20, older. He was 20, early twenties, early 20, like 21, 22. Two, yeah, yeah. 21, 22 years fresh old, fresh out of film school, essentially. Right. Yeah. Um, it's like, how do you even write that, right? And then the fact that he saw something in those characters no one else had seen. No one had seen. Ice Cube as an actor at that time was considered crazy. Regina King, we just knew her as Brenda from 227. And suddenly she drinking 40s on the porch. We're like, what mm-hmm. is happening? And even Cuba Gooding, it's like Cuba, Nia, like what came I, I knew Nia Long back then from um, Guiding Light. Oh, that's right. She was on Guiding Light. Guiding yeah. Light. So when I saw her on that, I was like, what? Um, and that was Morris Chestnuts coming out right mm-hmm. there, I think. But yeah, it was just, first of all, for me coming from the East Coast, and I know you, you're from Detroit, like that was like, that was my introduction. Same. <laughs> you know, that was Between my introduction. To, straight like, out of Compton. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah, like that was my introduction to West Coast. Yeah. You know, and, and they were just, but the beautiful thing about what John told, the story that he told was the story of these young black boys who are struggling. And Furious Styles is still one of the coldest fathers in the history of cinema. You know, I still say, and I know you can relate to it, I still say to my boys, when he ever makes a mistake, I'm like, man, pick up the hair. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he don't even get it. You're going to learn, Trey. You gonna, oh, yeah, you're going to learn, Trey. Pick up the hair. Like, that's when he knows he did something wrong. He's like, I'm going to learn, ain't it? I was like, yes, man. You got to pick, man, go ahead, man. Because it's, it's, I mean, everything he said, you could look at it and say, oh, it was a little bit preaching. No, it wasn't. You know, Furious was, he was, <laughs> the name, Furious Furious Styles, Styles I know. Come on. <laughs> Come on, we don't do him like that anymore. No, and it's we like, we, everybody, like regardless of what coast you're on, you knew, everybody in that, that movie, you you could just relate, you knew somebody like that. Well, you know, the, the, the one subject matter that doesn't get discussed a lot about that movie is how the mother treated the sons differently. Correct, because they had different daddies. They're different daddies. But she don't be doing Rick like that. Right. <laughs> right. This is what I'm saying. Like, it's true. Everybody knows, like, I mean, there's a p- bunch of people out there that got siblings by other by other fathers and they can kind of relate yeah you know if if he was the favorite it's probably because she liked him more he liked her daddy better yeah i mean and even her as a character who's that little fucker on my porch where y'all act y'all must think i'm the maid (laughs) like i literally remember that whole movie the whole movie whole movie i mean you could watch it 17 times and and still it just it just resonates, and you don't know, don't show, just don't care what's going what's on. What's going on in the hood. And to hear Doughboy say that, yeah. and the way that John really carried it and what have Ice Cube walk across the street and just fade away, it was like, wow, we didn't yeah. have to see that. Dead two weeks later. We didn't have to see that. Nope. And now she lost both sons. Mm-hmm. This is a woman who had two sons. Now they both gone. And that was that was disturbing to me coming from the East Coast. You know, that was really disturbing to me coming from the East Coast. It was a big wake-up moment for me in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways. Man, you don't have me going home to watch that now. <laughs> I want to go home and watch Boys in the Hood, boy, I tell you. That's that, a good question. It was, yeah, well, no, I tried. Well, you survived. Society. Humanity is living, yes. you know, still going on. Uh, but thank you, Mike, for spending uh, this time with me, especially on your anniversary. I hope yeah. you got something good planned, better than the first birthday. Yeah, we in the middle. <laughs> we in the middle of a staycation. Okay, so I got I got to head back to that. All right, uh, take it to dinner. We'll go stuff. staycate. I'm gonna um, staycate. A bit. Yeah, yeah. Mike's gonna go staycate. <laughs> yeah, I'll be back for the final segment. Fuck it, I'm bothered. Generally speaking, I'm not a big fan of awards or even the pursuit of awards. I mean, they're nice, but I just don't think that they're that important. And I know that's easy for me to say since I have an Emmy. And yes, that was a high key stunt. Um, But all that being said, fuck it, I'm bothered that the Netflix series, When They See Us, which is directed by friend of the podcast, Ava DuVernay, did not receive not one damn Golden Globe nomination. I get it. Ava DuVernay or Jarrell Jerome, who was sensational They don't need the validation. If you've seen it, you know this is generational work. The limited series, which is based 
on the Central Park Five is nearly flawless. It's frustrating for me to see snubs like this because this is so blatant and obvious. There are some things that come along that everyone agrees is good shit. It's allegedly on brand right now for Hollywood to emphasize diversity and inclusion, right? But for all that talk, there's been about Hollywood supposedly turning a corner. Then you see shit like this and it sure feels like a setback. As I said, Ava or anyone else involved with When They See Us, they don't need the validation, but damn it, they deserve the respect. Stay unbothered. Jamel Hill is Unbothered is produced by Spotify Studios and Unbothered Inc. and recorded and edited by Rich Burner and Cadence 13. Ashley Van Horn is our head of talent. Evan Dick is our executive producer. And Denise Holly is the program manager. Our theme music is provided by Corey Greenleaf and Ben Darwish. You can find more from me on Twitter and Instagram at Jamel Hill. Jamel Hill.